We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, El Monte. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, El Monte. Let's open up to 2 Peter chapter 2. As we begin a word of warning regarding prophets of deception, uh, these guys we're going to see, they're uh, deceivers who were actually headed to destruction. And, and the heartbreaking thing, if you have your Bible open, look at chapter 3, verse 2. It says, and many will follow their destructive ways. You know, not only are these guys going to experience destruction themselves, but many people will follow them. And so here's the thing that I want to just pose to you from the get-go, you guys. Who are you going to follow? I mean, prayerfully, we would do what Jesus called us to do, and that is to follow him. Okay? And so that's where we want to be. We're going to look at this study today. It's a very heavy study, beginning in verse 1. Notice it says, But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. Many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed by covetousness. They will exploit you with deceptive words. And for a long time, their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber. You know, I don't know, I mean, we're living in a different world now. Um, some things never change, um, but one of the things that we find is that, man, as a nation, uh, I, I kind of compare us to the nation of Israel, and I know that we're not Israel. I know we're not. But you know, the, the Lord warned the nation of Israel and the, the northern kingdom for probably about 250 years. And then he warned the southern kingdom uh, for probably about 450 years. And so, you know, um, David reigned in 1000 B.C. Solomon's reign was fairly peaceful, but then it all went downhill. And we know that in 722, the Assyrians came and carried Israel away captive. And in 586 B.C., the Babylonians conquered the southern kingdom. And, and basically what happened was God just kept warning them over and over and over again. I'm warning you, get your life right. I'm warning you, don't have like one foot in and one foot out. I'm warning you, you know, if you're going to serve the Lord, Elijah came on the scene in First Kings chapter 17, 18, and 19. If you're going to serve the Lord, then serve the Lord. If you're going to serve the Baals, then serve the Baals. But don't try to serve both gods. Because the Bible says, if you're lukewarm, Jesus said, I will vomit you out of my mouth. You know, and... You're like, ouch, that's a heavy warning, you know. This guy's telling me to be all in, right? But how, how can you be anything else? You've got to be all in, you guys. You've got to be in for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, that's what it's all about, you know. Because what we find is that God's warning us. God loves us. Um, for one thing, he wants you to go to heaven. And secondly, he wants you to have an amazing life on earth. That life will be found when you submit your heart to Jesus Christ. And that's what we, what we see in the, in the pages of Scripture. You know, I don't know if you guys ever warn your kids, mijo, you know, watch out for the fire. Mijo, you know, uh, 
You know, watch the way, even the way you carry the knife or the, or the scissors. You know, you don't run with the scissors, right? Because you never know. You might fall and the next thing you know, they end up in your eye or something, right? We warn them because we love them. Well, God warns us uh, for the same reason. Um, sometimes we don't like to be warned. I know sometimes when I'm driving, my wife, uh, she's a good co-pilot, let me tell you, man, and she's really good. And, uh, and, you know, I'm driving, and then next thing you know, she'll, like, you know, just not scream, but, <laughs> watch out! And she scares me. <laughs> I think she might cause an accident just by that. But, no, seriously, man. You know, and sure enough, I'll slam on the brakes, and by, I thank God that we just avoided an accident, uh, maybe even avoided death. Because she warned me, we responded to the warning, we made the modification, whatever it was, and, you know, God kept us safe. It's the same thing when it comes to the Lord. You know, I wonder if the Lord's been warning you. Here, we're going to see some interesting warnings regarding false prophets. Look what he says again there in verse 1. But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you. You know, when you read the Bible, it normally refers to these guys as false prophets. One time false teacher, we read that here in Second Peter. Eleven times in the Bible, it's in reference to false prophets. Same thing. There's no distinction. They're all the same. They're wolves in sheep's clothing who are very, very dangerous. Uh, for this reason, Jesus warned us. Uh, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, the Bible says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Now, can you visualize that? Our Lord Jesus Christ was so good at parables and giving illustrations. And, you know, use your imagination there. Can you visualize a wolf in sheep's clothing? Well, just in case you can't, we have a couple of illustrations for you. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? You know, and when I look at that visual right there, I'm like, well, that's pretty obvious, you know. Um, sometimes it's not so obvious. Uh, watch the next picture right here. You'll notice that the, the wolf, he kind of blends in a little bit more, huh? I mean, but when you have the spiritual discernment and when you know your word, when you're a strong Christian, you're going to be able to detect the wolves when they come within the flock like this. But one of the things that we've seen, and for us as, as, as pastors and, and leaders who love you, is that sometimes we see people are dancing with the devil. They're negotiating with nonsense. They're too close to the enemy, and the enemy gets them. Uh, there's another picture we have right here, and it, this one right here, it really breaks my heart. Here you see this wolf and this sheep, and when I look at these two, I'm like, man, they are way too close, way too close. You know, be careful who you listen to. Be careful what books you read. Be careful who you listen to on the radio or, you know, the, the people that you hang out with that perhaps are divisive because they will reach your heart. They will get to you. They will tear you down. And what we have to do is we have to guard ourselves against these things. You know, they say they're Christian. You can sometimes hear them on the radio, watch them on television. They have their books in Christian bookstores. But keep in mind that just because they have the right clothes and the right claims on the outside, it doesn't mean that they have Christ on the inside, right? I mean, they might speak of Jesus, but question, what Jesus are you talking about? 
2 Corinthians 11, verse 4, it says, Paul says, I'm afraid that if someone comes to you and preaches to you a different Jesus, you might put up with it. No, we believe in Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, second person of the Trinity. He's God, he's man, he's our Savior. And we have to be so careful because sometimes people try to preach a Jesus as He's a mere man, a passing prophet, a typical teacher, a random rabbi. He's an angel that God created or, or some other fabrication. No, he's God the creator. And we have to make sure that we know who Jesus is. You know, Jesus predicted that there would be many false prophets who would rise up in the last days. We read that in Matthew 24, verse 11. And then he said in verse 24 of Matthew 24, he said that false Christ and false prophets would rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. And so the Lord warns us, hey, watch out. And so you might have to slam on the brakes a little bit and regather and say, Lord, what does your Bible say? You know, John the Beloved, one of the 12 apostles, he warned us in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, he said, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And so we need to take heed. And it's such a heavy warning to us, you guys. Again, you know, I know I sound like a, like a broken record. Uh, does anybody here know what a record is? Uh, but, <laughs> I remember those, those vinyl LPs. And do you guys remember when they would you know, kind of say the same thing over and over again? I don't know if they would, they would scratch or whatever. But, but here's the, the thing, and I guess I really want you to know that we want you to go to heaven. That's what we want. That's what God wants. And we want you to have life, and that more abundantly, the life that God has for you. But we know that it's not going to be easy. We know that it's going to be a battle. And we know there's a lot of false teachers out there that you need to be aware of. You need to be aware of. There's a lot of liars out there that are masquerading as sheep, but inwardly they're ravenous wolves. And so as I was getting ready for today's study, I was actually planning on doing verses 1 through 11. But you know what? The first three verses, I just felt like there's so much there and I felt like God just wanted today to just kind of give us that, like kind of like a, a warning so that you would be safe because that's our heart, you know. And so in going through the text, there's actually six things that stand out. I, I was wondering if we could put the list up here. And if you're taking notes, uh, maybe you can, uh, you can write them down. This is what we're going to study today about these false teachers. Number one is they will be among us. Look at the person next to you. Just, no, I'm joking. You just never know, man. The name might be weird. <laughs> I'm just joking. But you know what, man? I know this is Calvary Chapel Almani. We're a good church. We love the Lord. We teach the word. Um, real simple. We don't ask for money. But, man, people, you never know who's going to come through those doors, right? They're among us. They're among us, definitely among Christendom, definitely on Christian radio or television or bookstores, right? You'll see them there. And if you don't, if you don't like, know that, then you're already making yourself vulnerable beyond measure. Uh, it's the same thing that we're dealing with uh, with radical Islam today, right? I mean, there are some who they would just put their head in the sand. They wouldn't even 
think about it, like it's all going to be okay, let's just kind of like, you know, preach tolerance, not, not really identify who they are, and just mosey on our merry way. That's not going to save us. That won't protect us. I mean, these guys, these pockets of resistance, they're being trained in our country. They're here. And so we need to be aware of that. We need to do whatever we can to be able to defend our nation, right? I mean, I think we need to be proactive. I mean, even in a church like this, to be honest with you, if you see someone come in here that, that you know, not that we're it's a racial profiling of anything, but if there's like a gut feeling, if there's something in your heart you see about someone that just doesn't seem right, it's okay to go and tell somebody, tell a leader, hey, I don't know about that person right there. I remember one time I went to a study, I was at Golden Springs, and there was only about 50 of us, and there was a guy sitting in the front row, and he had a backpack, and I didn't know the guy. And so I went, and I, and I told you know, the leaders, I said, hey, what about that guy right there? I don't know him. And, and he was cool. He said, yeah, you know what, we know him, and, uh, and he's all right, but thank you for letting us know. Let me tell you something. If you see something weird, something out of place, something that doesn't seem right, I mean, I, I want to encourage you guys to take that step of faith and, and let us know that, you know, we might be able to research this situation because we know that truth that they are among us, right? And what's true physically in that war is true spiritually in this war, right? And so we see, we're going to see that in our study today, that they're among us. Number two, they will bring in destructive heresies. And so as they come in, we're going to see these false teachers bring in heresies, and they're destructive heresies. They will be destroyed, and all who follow them will be destroyed. That's a heavy warning. Thirdly, we see they will deny the Lord, and we're going to see there's a lot to that, but they deny the nature of Jesus and they deny uh, the lordship of Jesus. Number four, they will bring on themselves sudden destruction. And so it might not happen initially, but it will happen inevitably. And when it happens, it will happen swiftly. And then number five, they will be motivated by covetousness. And so that's kind of cool because you're wondering, well, what do they look like? This is what they look like. They're going to be the ones that are greedy for gain. Okay, and then number six, I don't think you can see it on the screen there, but it says that many will follow their way. Many will follow their way. Maybe you're here today and you think, you know, you're kind of like this. All, all, there won't be any that will follow their way. And, and I want to encourage you to make sure that you modify your thinking and submit to the scripture as he's talking to the church he says, many will follow their way. And we're going to see that in Second Peter. So point number one is they will be among us. There were false prophets among the people. We read there in verse one, even as there will be false teachers among you. Uh, they, the New English translation says they will infiltrate your mist. And we know this took place in the early church. For example, the Galatians uh, the Bible says that when the false teachers went into that congregation, that they came in by stealth. And what that means is they came in under the radar. 
And so just in case, you know, you're wondering, someone can come into the church and in the beginning initially just to find a place, just to get some type of a position, they come in under the radar and they find that place of prominence and influence. Next thing you know, they start influencing people in the wrong way. And so they're going to come in and what we find is they will be among us under the radar. What we find is that the enemy not only persecutes that's from the outside, but he also executes on the inside, and so we need to be so careful. You know, Paul had predicted this would happen over in the book of Acts chapter 20. He said, for I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in. There's that word savage wolves among you, not sparing the flock. Also, from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to do what? To draw away the disciple after themselves. Therefore, Paul says, watch, watch, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. You see, they're within the church. They're within Christendom. I'm pretty sure they find a way into every congregation. And, you know, just in case you're wondering, well, what is it about them? Well, you know, there's so many things that we could talk about. But one of the things that you'll find in the church is that sometimes they're hedonistic. They're hedonistic. And that means that they'll come in and they're real free to sin and they tend to take it lightly. Hedonism is the pursuit of pleasure, sensuality, self-indulgence. And they'll come to church service not to find the Lord. Some guys will come to church to find a lady. And not a lady to get married. They'll, they'll come in to find a lady to sleep with. They are wolves in sheep's clothing, ladies, and even sometimes men, because there are wolvettes, right? Right? You guys, we have to be so careful of this. You know, the Bible says that these wolves in sheep's clothing, they creep into congregations just to find gullible, lonely women. And so we read in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 6, sometimes they're hedonistic and they'll go out there and they'll sin and just go party, let's get drunk, let's have a good time. It doesn't really matter. God's grace will cover you. Other times they're legalistic and they think that church like ours is kind of off, that we shouldn't have a Christmas tree or celebrate things like truth and treat in the same day as Halloween, right? And they get caught up in their own laws and their Jewish legalism, dietary laws. It could be the celebration of the Sabbath. They go back to Judaism. They go backwards. They go back to legalism. And, and to be honest with you, I think I can honestly say that we've lost more people to legalism than we have to hedonism because legalism has an appeal that masquerades as holiness when in all reality it's just like a reappearance of the false prophets of Jesus' day who were Pharisees. Remember that, you guys. Our, our Christianity is not rules and regulations. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's important for us to have in our hearts. You know, they'll come in in whatever way. They'll get weird. And I mention these things to you because these people will find a way. They'll creep into the congregation among us. Number two, they will secretly bring in destructive heresies. Notice again there in verse 1, but there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you 
who will secretly bring in destructive heresies. Now, you know, I was thinking about that. How do they, like, secretly bring in destructive heresies? And, you know, I mean, perhaps they get the platform. Perhaps one day they'll come up here and they'll teach something that's off. More than likely that's not going to happen because we're very careful who we allow to teach from this platform. But more than likely what they'll do is they'll get you over on the side and say, here, come here, let me tell you something. You know, Cary Chapel, they're weird. Cary Chapel, they're Manny, he's really weird, right? And I'll I'll just tell you, I am weird, okay? (laughs) But I, I tell you what, man, we teach the truth. We teach the Bible. That's all we do. So to secretly bring in destructive heresies, they're going to have to get you on the phone. They're going to have to get you in their own little holy huddle. And little by little, they'll ebb away. Subtly, they'll try to sweep you away. And that's what ends up happening. They secretly bring in these destructive heresies. The, the word destructive right here is a strong word. It has different degrees, but in the end, it speaks of misery in hell. The same Greek word is used in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, where the Bible says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. I mean, you see destruction? Can I ask you a question today? You know, what road are you on? Seriously, man. Are you on that narrow road that leads to life? Is Jesus Christ really your Savior? Or are you you on this broad road that Jesus spoke about that leads to destruction? It's where most people are. It's where the flow of the society is today. If you're not on that narrow road, I just want you to know this, that that we love you, that God loves you, and that all you got to do right now in your heart is you just kind of get up and you just say, Lord, I want to come on the right road. I need you. You know, I remember when I got saved, I didn't know a whole lot. I didn't, you know. I went to church. Someone invited me that day. I didn't know all the theology. I didn't have it all, you know, down. But I knew this, that I was a sinner and I needed a Savior. I knew that. I knew I needed Jesus. And that day, I just took a step of faith and I accepted him as my Lord and Savior. You know, we don't tell you these things about destruction to try to freak you out or warn you or because God somehow is mad at you. We tell you that because we would pray that you would make a decision today to follow Jesus Christ, to get on that narrow road because these guys that come in, they'll come in and they'll share these false teachings and heresies that are really destructive heresies. You know, Peter calls them heresies, which is in reference to a teaching that's contrary to what we would call orthodox Christianity. You know, the true teachings over time that the church has always held to, is defended to the death in our battle for the truths of the Bible. And so we need to heed the warnings, right? Because we see, number one, that they will be among us. That these false teachers, number two, will bring in destructive heresies. And number three, it says that they will even deny the Lord who bought them. We read that there in verse one. They were false prophets among the people, speaking of the past, even as there will be false teachers among you, speaking to us today, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even crazy, 
even denying the Lord who bought them. You know, I mean, it's crazy. One of the things about the church is that it's all about Jesus. The Father points to Jesus. The Spirit, he points to Jesus because the Bible says that Jesus is the mediator between God and man, right? And so it's crazy to me that they would deny Jesus. Oh, you don't need Jesus. All you need is a church. Oh, you don't need Jesus. All you need is, and then you fill in the blank with some patron saint or some type of sacraments or whatever it might be. You know, and they will, you know, attack his deity. They'll attack his humanity. And yet he is the one who bought us. Think about that. You know, the Lord is the one who bought us. Acts chapter 20, verse 28 reveals that Jesus bought us with his own blood. I mean, when I think of that, I mean, the other day, I'll tell you this, I was shaving myself and I cut myself. And I started bleeding. And so I called 911 right there and then, man. <laughs> no, seriously, you know, I mean, like, when was the last time, like, you hurt yourself and you were bleeding? You know, for some of you, maybe it wasn't that long ago, but I just know that I was, I was like, and as I was bleeding, I was like, Lord, I mean, there's this little trickle of blood, and I'm calling 911, and imagine how you, you just shed your blood. I mean, they started with the crown of thorns on his head. I mean, and they were beating him with sticks, and they were socking him. There was no doubt blood coming out of his nose, coming out of his mouth. And prior to that, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he suffered what was called hematidrosis. And that means that he was praying so hard that the blood was coming out of his, his, sweat, his sweat pores. And then they, you know, they nailed him to the cross, his hands and feet. They pierced him in the side. I mean, we're talking blood everywhere. He paid the price. He bought us because he loves us. How could they deny, how could they defy the one who bought us? But you'll find that that happens a lot of times. These guys will go in and do just that. They'll deny the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the other day I was reading through the scriptures and I came across that, that amazing passage in Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. It says, To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Imagine that. You know, and, and so I pray that we would know this, that and not only that you would know, yeah, Jesus is God, second person in Trinity, and that, you know, he's, you know, King of kings, Lord of lords, he came once, he's coming again, but not only that, but that he would truly be the Lord of your life because he bought you. A lot of times we think, well, I'm, you know, captain of my own ship, I'm master of my own fate. I call the shots, and we don't allow the Lord to be the Lord of our life. Did you guys know that he owns you, that you're not your own? The Bible teaches that in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You know, when I became a Christian, immediately I knew that having sex before marriage was wrong. 
And, you know, it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist. I think sometimes even before you're Christians, you know that you're supposed to wait on the Lord and, until you have sex. And then when you get married, God will bless. But, you know, what ends up happening is we forget that, that we've been bought at a price. We are not our own. Our body belongs to him. And what ends up happening is when you understand that, then God captures your thoughts. God captures your words. God captures your actions. All that you do, all that you are. You know, I challenge you. And you, you read through the Gospel of John, and what you'll find is that Jesus was always submitted to his Father. And he didn't go anywhere. He didn't do anything. He didn't say anything unless his Father commanded him to do so. We have to be the same way. Because we are not our own. We've been bought at a price. You know, the other day, uh, someone sent to me a, a tweet from, uh, uh, I, you guys know what a tweet is, right? I'm not on Twitter. Well, I am, but I'm not. I don't know how to do it, but I have an account. Um, <laughs> but um, I'm learning. Anyways, um, she sent out a tweet. I think her name is Ayesha. She's the wife of the best basketball player in the world right now. You guys know who that is, right? And don't say LeBron James, okay? <laughs> We're talking Stephen Curry. I mean, that guy makes baskets like this. I mean, I don't know how he does it, but, man, he's amazing right now. He's a Christian, it turns out, um, and so is his wife. And so she sent out a tweet the other day. Look what she said. She said, everyone's into barely wearing clothes these days, huh? Not my style. I like to keep the good stuff covered up for the one who matters. I, I thought, wow, that is so cool, man. You know, here's a gal who has Christian convictions. Not that you have to, you know, cover yourself up like some of the radicals do. That's not what we're talking about. But we're talking about the, the, the body parts that are to be covered up. And she tweets that out there with the conviction because she knows that her body doesn't belong to her. It belongs to God and her husband. You read that in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And so she tweets that out. And some people liked it. I guess there was 66,000 retweets and 88,000 likes. I wonder if anyone here retweeted that, you know. But imagine that as she sent that out, I'll tell you what, man. There was a backlash of people all around the world who thought that she was wrong in sharing her conviction. And it just goes to show you how the world has lost the mentality and the truth that their bodies don't belong to themselves. See, these false teachers, they're going to come in and they're going to say, Jesus isn't Lord, and they'll deny him in his nature. They'll deny him in the way that we believe in him, and they'll deny him in the way that we're supposed to behave. And what we have to do is we have to hold to the truth. You know, here's a gal doing her best not to deny the Lord, uh, whether it be in beliefs or in behavior. And so we're learning about these false teachers, that they're going to be among us, that they're going to bring in destructive heresies, that they will deny the Lord. And then number four, it says that they will bring on themselves swift destruction. Now, this doesn't mean that as soon as they promote and propagate their false teachings that God immediately intervenes. It simply means that when God intervenes, it takes place suddenly, you know. And that's important for us to know this because sometimes we sin 
And, and we think it's, it's not a big deal because God didn't strike us with lightning right when we did it, right? You know, but the thing about sin that we got to know is that, you know, God is aware of these things, you know? People think that because they did what they did and they're still alive or they're still involved, nothing's changed, they're still in charge, so that must mean that God doesn't mean what he says when he warns us, but we have to make sure that we don't mistake God's patience with some type of indifference, that he wouldn't dare discipline us, that he wouldn't care to discipline us, when in all reality, he will judge. And when he does so, it will come swiftly. You know, you're moseying on your way. It's another day. God's been trying to speak to you, but you won't listen. And then one day you get the trancaso. And it falls on you. And it's sudden. And all of a sudden everything changes. Wouldn't it be better just to heed the warning? Wouldn't it be better just to get our lives right? Some people were saying that God doesn't judge. And Peter, when we go through our chapter here, we're going to see that he's going to say God does. And we have examples of that. You know, in the book of Numbers, uh, Miriam started a little mutiny against Moses, talking smack, criticizing, rising up against him. And then we read in Numbers chapter 12, verse 10, suddenly Miriam became leprous. Boom, one day it just happened. She became a leper thrust outside the camp, and it happened suddenly. You see, God will warn us, and the Holy Spirit will convict us. And we, we need to pay attention. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, verse 1, he who is often rebuked and hardens his neck will suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. You see, we read there at the end of verse 3, it says, for a long time their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not slumber. You know, I don't know a lot about social media, how many of you here are on Snapchat, just out of curiosity? All the young people raise their hands, huh? And all the old people, we're all on Facebook, right? <laughs> Facebook's cool, you know. Um, I know a little bit about it. But I kind of tripped out when it all started happening, Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat or whatever. Just that word follow, that word follow started tripping me out. I'm like, you're following somebody. And, and I know what it means. All it means is that when they post something, that it goes to your news feed or whatever it is, it goes to your phone and you're kind of aware of those things. But do you think that maybe there's more to it than that? Like, for example, I mean, you follow somebody who is not a good influence. You know, you want to find out, you know, what the latest information is on some celebrity that is anti-values that you have. I mean, we have to be so careful, you guys. You know, I would be careful who I follow. I would be careful, to be honest with you, who I make friends with. I don't ask people to be my friends, and they think I'm, I'm being mean. And part of it is because I don't want to be invasive. Imagine you get a friend request from the pastor. <gasps> He's trying to find out my information, right? And so... <laughs> So I don't do that, but if, if someone gives me a friend request, I'm on it if I know them and I know they're part of the church because I want to be friends on Facebook with people that I know are friends with Jesus. I want to follow people who I know are going to give me good counsel and advice. And what we find in looking at these things is if you follow them, and while they're famous, they're rich, they look happy. Number one, it's, just, it's all a show. 
But number two, do you see where they're headed? They're headed for destruction unless God would somehow intervene. See, they will be among us. These false teachers will bring in destructive heresies. They will deny the Lord. They will bring on themselves sudden destruction. And then number five, they will be motivated by covetousness. Notice again there in verse 1, it says, But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. Many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed, and by covetousness they will exploit you, with deceptive words. Now, where will they be? They'll be among us. What will they do? Well, they will bring in destructive heresies, denying the Lord, the Lordship of Jesus, and they will therefore destroy themselves. How will they do it? And why do they do it? And the answer is there in verse 3, covetousness. Covetousness. The old King James, it says, make merchandise of you. They will make merchandise of the people with feigned words or insincere words. They will make merchandise of the people. Other translations use the word greed. They, they'll do it uh, through greed and fabricated stories. The New Living Translation puts it this way. In their greed, they will make up clever lies to get a hold of your money. I always tell people, you know, because, you know, sometimes people will come and visit Calvary Chapel Almani, and of course, you know, I would love for everybody to stay here, but I know that that's not always the will of God. So they're going to go looking for a church. Maybe they look in a different city. And, and I know there's probably more to it. I know there's more to it. But I, I usually will tell them, make sure they teach you the Bible. Like you open up your Bible and they're teaching you the Bible for one. And number two, make sure that they're not begging you for money. And you know, hey, we're going to take up an offering, and then the, the midweek offering, and the Sunday night offering, and next thing you know, um, we see on television and radio, and a lot of places, that those places of worship, unfortunately, have become, like Jesus said, houses of merchandise. I mean, these guys, they're not in it for the right reason. They're ministering for money. They think that godliness is a means of gain. And it's not just money. I'll be honest with you. I think sometimes guys will go into the pastorate for the position. It's all about what I can get, not what I can give. And so for those of us who are in places of leadership where we want to be a servant leader for the Lord, let's go into it. Let's go into it knowing it's all about what we can give, not what we can get. Let's go into it willing you know, to, to say, I'm, I'm not going to get rich off this. I, I, I go into it committed to I will not get rich off this. Why? Because that's not the way of our Lord. But there are so many out there who are getting rich off the people, right? These guys are so bad. Look at verse 14. It says at the end of verse 14 that they have a heart trained in covetous practices. 
And, and I'm telling you this because I know all of you can relate to this. You can turn on the television, you can turn on the TV, and you can see these guys, and they are so rich. I won't even use the word rich. I'll say filthy rich. How did they get rich? They got rich off the donations that were given from the little old ladies who are living check to check on a fixed income. You know, the average salary of a pastor in the United States of America is about $40,000 a year. You know, and so depending on where you live, that's probably a, a, a pretty good average, right, in one sense, right? But there are guys out there making so much more than that. Uh, for example, um, one Christian pastor, his name is Charles Blake. He makes $900,000 a year. He lives in Beverly Hills, by the way. I mean, these guys are... Can you imagine, for example, T.D. Jakes? He got paid $100,000 for one sermon. Man, it must have been good, huh? Can you imagine that? Do you think that Jesus is happy with that? Absolutely not. Kenneth Copeland and his wife, they make 600000 a year. Creflo Dollar, I mean, gosh, you would figure people would know based on his name that the guy's not right. <laughs> Creflo Dollar, he drives a Rolls Royce. He has a private jet. He asks for another one. He lives in a million-dollar home in Atlanta, and he has another $2.5 million apartment in New York City. Why? Why? Why is it that when Jesus was here that he didn't even have a home? He said, you know, birds have the nests and foxes have their holes. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And here you have a guy that has, you know, a $2.5 million apartment in New York, a $1 million house in Atlanta. Why? You know, um, Joel Osteen. I mean, he makes millions of dollars on his books. And there he is. He goes and he buys a home for $10.5 million. While so many of his donors again, are living paycheck to paycheck. I got a better idea, Mr. Osteen. Why don't you scale down a little bit? Get yourself a normal house like normal people and give some of that money to the poor. Why are these guys getting so rich off the people? And the Bible's so clear. Don't give to them. This is the world that we live in. I love Pastor Chuck. And I miss him. Because he said, you know, where God guides, God provides. You won't beg for money. The Lord will lay it on the heart of the people to give to Jesus. And whatever comes in, that's God guiding. That's how it works. Never did he ask for money. Not even on his radio show while he was alive, he never asked for donations. Never. But God blessed him. That's how you can tell they're false teachers. 
by covetousness, they will exploit you. It's greed, and we see it in the pulpits of America today. Of course, in looking at this, most likely it's in reference to the covetousness of the false teachers themselves, right? To enrich themselves. But I tell you what, there's also a little bit of bait in some people. They like to bite on that false doctrine called health, wealth, and prosperity, right? There's a doctrine out there that says if you become a Christian, God will make you healthy, wealthy, and prosperous. You know, and that's not the way it is. First Timothy 6, 5, they have that mistaken concept that godliness is a means of gain. Absolutely not. We need to be so careful. Let me tell you guys something. Being rich is not a sin. You know, if you're rich through hard work and uh, you're not overworking, but God has just blessed you, there's nothing wrong with that. Money is neutral. You can use it for good or use it for bad. But it's the love of money that captures the hearts of people in a sinful way, right? And it's so sad to see that so many Christians, or so-called Christians, have been swept away with the prosperity gospel. You know, Luke chapter 12, verse 15, Jesus said, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. You know, the Bible says in Colossians 3, 5, that covetousness is idolatry. And according to 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10, a covetous person will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so I praise God for the history that I was given. You know, that, that we have a healthy church. You know, teaching the Bible, we're not perfect. But, you know, we love the Lord and we love the people. We want you to go to heaven. And we want you to have a heavenly life while you're on earth. And we equip you with these things so that you will know and not be deceived and not swept away or fall away when the false teachers somehow find a way to try to influence you. I pray that no one here would ever go that way. Because when I look at the church as a whole, it brings us to our last point. And he says it there in verse 2, and many will follow their destructive ways. Doesn't that break your heart, you guys? It really does, man. It bums you out, you know. And the devil, you know, if he can't devour you like a lion, he'll try to deceive you like a snake. Somehow, some way, he tries to slither his way into your life just to take you away from Jesus. But I pray that whatever form he's manifested himself in your life, that you would rebuke the enemy. Get behind me, Satan. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I want to encourage you today, don't follow the ways of these false teachers. Don't follow the way of the flow of the fallen world that we live in, or even the grain by which you're made. What should we do? You know what Jesus said when he called people, when he called them to be Christians? You know what he said? He just said, follow me. Andrew, James, John, fisherman, Matthew, tax collector, Nathaniel, doesn't matter. All he said, so simple. Follow me. And that's what I want to encourage you guys to do today, to make that decision today 
to follow him. I mean, that's it. That's just it. It's so simple. You follow him. You establish a relationship with Jesus. And he leads you. He calls the shots. You walk like he walked. I mean, it's just a beautiful life. You know, I remember in the Gospel of John when the Lord had restored uh, Peter to ministry. You know, the Lord told him a little bit about his future and what was going to happen. It was kind of funny because what ended up happening was Peter said, well, what about John? What about this guy? What's up with him, Lord? What's going to happen to him, Lord? You know how we are, how we're like that, huh? We've got our eyes on all these different people. What about him and what about them and what about this group over there? And the Lord's just saying, wait, chillax. Hold on just a second. Don't worry about him. Don't worry about her. Don't worry about them. You follow me, right? And that's, that's my prayer, you guys, today. We love you. God put that love inside of us. I speak, and I know the pastors here, and so many of you here, we really do care for you. We want you guys to be blessed in life. But it's not something that we can do for you. You have to choose in your heart who you will serve. I just pray that today you would know the Lord's love and that you would just make a simple, solid choice to follow Jesus. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626 454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.